0: blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart if you are a laborer you may have had a bit more time on your hands lately than usual if you are a mom maybe you've been as busy or busier than usual but even then you could have saved a little bit of time perhaps by not dressing up your family to go to church lately so i'm thinking i was thinking that this might be a perfect time for our church to hear a sermon on psalm 119 and my intent here is to mostly confine comments on the first two verses of Psalm 119, the verses that I just read a few minutes ago. And maybe we'll go to elsewhere in Psalm 119, that nice long chapter in the middle of Psalms. But especially looking at verses one and two of that wonderful Psalm. Now, our political leaders are certainly facing dueling concerns these days. On one hand, they are so concerned about the health, the physical health of their constituents. And on the other hand, our political leaders are really wondering and very concerned about the economic health of our nation, of our country. So uh, there's conflict there. Which is most important? Which should we be stressing? Which in this time of the coronavirus, it's the people's health and the economy's health. And an observation that I've made is that people that are in a twist about all this, that's come upon our world, tend to land in a place of anxiety or in a place of anger about all that's happening with that invisible little enemy of ours. And are either of those reactions yours? Have they been? If you're like me it could be that you've had both of those emotions pretty close to the surface and feeling raw in the last three weeks. Is it anger or is it anxiety? Having thought about that, our political leaders, and having thought about a little bit about ourselves, let's now go to Psalm 119, those first two verses, and just examine, especially for a minute or two, two words in Psalm 119, one. two words. And especially just want to look at that, Notice them. I'm thinking of the very first word, and I'm thinking of the fourth word in that first verse. The words are blessed and undefiled. Now, the Amplified Bible says that, clarifies what blessed means in its text. It says, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied. And we understand that that's what blessed means. Happy, fortunate to be envied. And again, in the word, the fourth word, the undefiled, the amplified helpfully says that's those who are upright, truly sincere and blameless. Upright, truly sincere and blameless. Now what does blameless mean? That word especially sticks out to me, blameless. Well, Mr. Vines in his expository dictionary of biblical words says that blameless has the idea of not merely acquittal, but the absence of even a charge or accusation. And he also says, nothing laid to one's charge as a result of public investigation. Do you follow all that? When one is blameless, he there is no blame that can rightly be put into his lap. He's not perfect, but he is blameless. And the Bible says, blessed are the undefiled, blessed are the blameless. As wonderful as uh, as it is to be in such a state in our present evil world, how many times better is it when God declares a person, how many times better is it when God declares his children blameless? No blame can rightly be put. No charge, no accusation. Thank God for the For that, blessed are the blameless. In times like these, who doesn't yearn to be blessed, happy, you know, and blameless? Who doesn't yearn to be that way, especially in times like these, especially in any of life, certainly, but especially in these last three weeks. And I am so grateful that the Bible here in Psalm 119, doesn't only commend a condition like this of being blessed and blameless, but it also establishes here in verses 1 and 2 that it's possible to attain to that, to a state of being happy, blessed, that is, and blameless. And I would just need to quickly remind you that that is not possible to be in a state of blessedness and blamelessness. It's not possible when without being born again, without having become a Christian, having our sins washed in the blood of the lamb, having repented, having Jesus as our Lord and savior. It's not possible without that, but thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his salvation. There is a life possible that of, even in times like these, of being blessed and blameless. So having said those thoughts, I'm ready now to give you the title for the sermon. And it is this. To be blessed and blameless, B-A-D. To be blessed and blameless, B-A-D. B, A, D, an acrostic, you know, B, a word beginning with B, a word beginning with A, and a word beginning with D. So there will be three points, three major points here as we go forward. Thinking about being blessed and blameless. And I need to give credit for uh, for some of this outline and uh, thoughts to Jack Peters. He's a friend of mine that pastors a church in New Holland. So, to be blessed and blameless, be B-A-D. And I submit that the B here in this acrostic, we could say, be bathing in the law of the Lord. Do you see that in the second phrase in Psalm 119? Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the way of the Lord. So being bathed in the law of the lord to be blessed and blameless one step is to be bathed in the law of the lord now that word bathed that verb has different meanings you know we say when someone's bathing he's taking a bath we also sometimes use that word as um, when we might say that the mom bathed the wound on her child and Sometimes we use it like, in a sentence like, the room was bathed in light, and we understand that, don't we? The the room was bathed in light, there was light all over in in every corner of the room, and the light, it was bathed there. And if we could just carry that word picture a little bit further, and think about the room of our heart, Being bathed in the law of the Lord. So when our heart is just filled with God's word within. I like, and I noticed that phrase, who walk in the law of the Lord. We're thinking about being bathed in the law of the Lord and walking in the law of the Lord, in the Bible, in God's word. I think of that, who walk in the way of the Lord, Um, as uh, like when one takes a walk in the woods the, the trees and the leaves and the branches and the rocks are all around him he's walking in the woods and how about if we would say walking in the wheat field in the in a field of, uh, of wheat that's maybe waist high, chest high on some shorter people. We're walking through that, and it's all around us. Um, or we would say we walk in the creek, and the water is up to our knees. The idea is that of, of being surrounded by it, by being saturated with it, and being immersed in it. That, that's the idea that one gets here in Psalm 119. And I remind us of something pretty obvious, but but let me just say and think about for a minute that the subject is walking in the law of the Lord. There are other things that we can bathe, be bathed in and that our life is full of and like maybe um, fun, Some people are bathed in fun, short-term fun. We can be bathed in our friends, or food, or Facebook, or the Phillies. But it's the precious and the pure and the powerful word of the Lord that is being called for here. No substitute for that. It's not romance. It's not riches, it's not reading the news magazine, reading news magazine, but it's the law of the Lord that God is especially emphasizing here at the beginning of Psalm 119. Not that all of those things are wrong in themselves, but first things first, being bathed in God's word. If we want to be blessed and blameless, and I do, and you do, then we need to follow the formula of God's word here. It's the law of the Lord. I just remember Aidan Troyer years ago when I was a young man, I remember him saying it might've been here at church or it might've been at tent meetings at Peckway when he would have held revival meetings down there a few different times. He said something like this in the way that Aidan Troyer can. He said, if you th- call yourself a man of the paper, I'm sorry. If you call yourself a man of the book, but you spend more time reading the paper, then you're not a man of the book. You're a man of the paper. Well, let's think just a little bit here about how we can do to be properly bathed in God's word. I'm thinking of three, could we call them methods or tips here? And you could think of others that have been helpful to you. Let's just think about a few. One that I have in mind is what I would call mindfulness. Have you caught your mind wandering in different directions when you've been reading God's word? If that happens, in my case, when that happens, it's the problem really is, Not that the Bible is boring. The root issue is certainly not that the Bible is too difficult to understand. And I grant that I don't understand everything in the Bible. Lots of things in the Bible. Probably you don't either. But the Bible can be understood, the the bulk of it. Uh, There's plenty in the Bible that we can understand, that you can understand, whether you're in second grade or whether you're 80 years old, the Bible is understandable. The problem with wandering
1: minds isn't
0: that the Bible is boring or that the Bible is too difficult. The big problem is that I am too lazy. So in as we bathe ourselves in God's word, one of the important things is that we are that we are mindful as we read, that we are thoughtful, that we actually use mental intensity. Mental intensity like you would use mental intensity at other times in life. Think with me about um, a just for instance, a hunter in camouflage on a deer stand on a cold November morning, and he is keeping watch of a well-used deer trail right down there. Mental intensity? Yep. Most times a hunter like that would be all ready to go. Now, if we use mental intensity like that, when we are studying and reading God's word, might make a difference in our experience and appreciation for God's word. Or how about a nurse as she bends over her patient checking the vital signs of that patient. Mental intensity. If we use mental intensity when we are reading and studying God's word like we do in other parts of life, I think it would be a help to us, Another. Scenario that I'm thinking of is a, a batter with a bat at home plate, and there's three men on base, and the home or the team that's at bat is two runs down, and it's the bottom of the ninth the bottom of the ninth, let's say, and there's a three and two count. Can you imagine? Uh, how mentally intense that moment would be and how that batter, not to mention the pitcher, and all the team, all the players would be, how mentally prepared they would be at a time like that. I remember reading, or I remember that Howard Hendricks, who wrote Living by the Book, outstanding book, on the sub, kind of on the subject that we're talking about here this morning, this evening. A quote that I like is that he said, the Bible does not yield its fruit to the lazy. In other words, you've got to think. And Marvin Rosenthal, I heard him on tape years ago saying, folks, do you love the word of God? Then you've got to think. God is calling us to mindful study of God's word. And as we're thinking about mindfulness, how about that of memorization? And I would just quickly say that memorization schedules and memorizing expectations and emphasis in our schools of students in lower grades, how wonderful that is. And then when there's in the older grades, there's a Bible quizzing, and I, I'm grateful for the opportunity that our youth have and the opportunities that, that they take, and those kind of memorizations will help them throughout life. But I would also say that you can memorize. Maybe you're beyond the lower grades in school, and maybe you're beyond the Junior high and senior high in school, but I think that you also can memorize God's word. In fact, I'm pretty sure that you can if you have at any point in your life passed fourth grade. And if let's say if that was less than 60 years ago, you can study, you can memorize God's word too. And If that was maybe more than 60 years ago that you went through fourth grade, maybe we'll give you a break here this this time around. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So we've thought just a bit about mindfulness. We've thought about memorization. Let's think about meditation. Part of bathing ourselves in the law of the Lord is thinking over and again and mulling over it and reflecting upon it and musing over and pondering uh, at times when the Word of God is not before us, like at church or when one is having his personal devotions or in family devotions. But meditation uh, is especially wonderful and fitting throughout the course of the day. When When you're driving to work, when you're doing the laundry, When you're operating that nail gun or weeding the garden for your mom or stocking shelves or you fill in the blanks, meditating and just thinking about that again, about the Sunday school lesson on Sunday or what you read this morning in your own personal devotions or what the preacher might have said last Sunday. Meditate. Mindfulness. Memorization. Meditation. I would just say that to be blessed and blameless, one needs to start by bathing himself continually in God's word. Secondly, to be blessed and blameless, be B A D. And the B we know is bathing ourselves in the law of the Lord. Now, for the A, that I would say that's applying the law of the Lord to our lives to my life personally. Bathing is good. Bathing our lives in God's word is great and wonderful. And something else about that is that it's of very little use without that application of the truth to one's own life, to my life. I remember Nikita Khrushchev. He was the premier of the Soviet Union when I was born. Back in the 50s, and I think maybe from 1953 to 1964. And he was familiar with scripture, and people say that probably he had all four gospels memorized. Pretty impressive, huh? Along with that, he claimed to be an atheist. And he was more anti-Christian and anti-church than his predecessor, a man named Joseph Stalin. Can you imagine that? So, to be blessed and blameless, it takes more than just bathing ourselves in the word of God. Mr. Khrushchev apparently did that, but he had no application. There was no keeping of testimonies. Like verse 2 says, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. I remember Paul Kaufman teaching the youth Bible study class years ago when I was a youth. So you know that was a long time ago. And he used the term practical atheist. Now, when we say that Mr. Khrushchev was an atheist, we mean that term means that that person says that there, he doesn't believe that there is a God. We understand that. And Paul Kaufman said a long time ago that there is also something called practical atheism. And that's when we say that we believe the Bible but then we don't keep the precepts of the Bible. The blessing here in verse 2 is, let me read it again, blessed are they that keep his testimonies, keep the commandments of God. So I ask myself and I ask you, what kind of a person am I? Am I a person who keeps God's word by applying it or am I a practical atheist and I submit to you that that's the only two options that there are. It's one or the other in my life. It's one or the other in yours. To be blessed and blameless, be B-A-D. bathed in God's word and apply the word, the law of the Lord to your life. Psalm one nineteen nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed there to according to thy word. Psalm 119, 32. And again, we're thinking about that application part. Not only reading about it and understanding it, but actually doing what God's commands say. Verse 32. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And I noticed that in verse 9, The question is, what will I do? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And in verse 32, uh, the psalmist kind of answers his own question when he says, I will run the way of thy commandments. B-A-D, to be blessed and blameless, be bathed in God's word and applying the law of the Lord. Let's go now to the D part. And I would say that the word devoted would be fitting there. Devoted to seeking Him. Do you see that in the second and last phrase of verse 2, Psalm 119? And that seek Him with the whole heart. Not only seeking to learn God's word more and obey better, not only loving God's word more and growing in that throughout life as one matures, but, but seeking to learn more and obey better and love more the God of the word. Because that's really what the Bible ultimately points to, and that's to the God of the word. Notice that seek him, that seek the Lord with the whole heart. The scriptures are the best way to do that. Devoted to seeking God in all of life and throughout life. It's a lifelong quest. I think of a couple models to follow in the New Testament. Remember the wise men. They didn't have much to go on back there in the east, in their home country. They saw a star. They thought they understood maybe a little what's going on, and so they devoted a good number of months, we think, and a lot of expense and, uh, and a lot of hard work in trekking those many miles, and they didn't miss worshiping at the feet of Jesus. They were the kind of people that sought him with the whole heart. And remember those Greeks, those Gentiles, which is what we are, that at the feast there in John 12, there were some Gentiles, some Greeks that apparently were interested enough in the Lord that they actually attended the Jewish feast And I'm just guessing that they might have not been the most welcome there. They needed to stay in the court of the Gentiles. They couldn't get into the more inner part of the house of the temple. But they had the audacity to ask Philip, we would see Jesus. And I'm just guessing that when they said that, that they really didn't think that that rabbi, that teacher would actually have time for them. But I believe that Jesus did have time for them that day. Models to follow. They were the kind of people that sought God with the whole heart. And then I think of the Ethiopian eunuch. You're familiar with him. We had um, that passage in our Sunday school lesson just a few weeks ago. The kind of person, again, that went to great lengths to go to Jerusalem to see if he couldn't find out more. And I think that he was returning back to his homeland in Africa, a disappointed man. But God, seeing that he was seeking him with his whole heart and that he was devoted in the way that he could be, provided that Philip to help him to the way of salvation. Devoted to seeking God. Seems like we should... Quote Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen as we think about devotion, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen they shall seek me and find me when they search for me with all their heart. And then Psalm one nineteen verse one sixty five which I think goes so well with this idea of devotion to God great peace have they that which love thy law and nothing shall offend them I believe I think that's a good uh, place to stop in closing I just uh, remind us again about of the title to be blessed and blameless be b a D be bathed in God's word be. Applying God's word to our life and be devoted to seeking him all the days of our life. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. To be blessed and blameless, B-A-D bathed in God's word, applying the law of the Lord, and devoted to seeking him. Let's just have a word of prayer here. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this privilege of hmm, being together like this today. And in this time of upheaval and uncertainty, I pray, Lord, that we, as your people, could experience a full dose of your blessing and blamelessness as we seek to serve you um, faithfully by bathing our hearts in the law of the Lord and by very studiously applying the truth of God's word to our own lives personally and individually. And then thirdly, that of a devotion to seek you and to keep seeking you. We've found you and we thank you, Lord, for salvation in Christ Jesus, but we sense the need for um, keeping on and learning of you and, and growing in you and loving you more. Might that be the case for us in these times when we can't worship um, together here at this building like we've been used to doing for years and generations? I pray, Heavenly Father, for the leaders of our country, for Mr. Trump and Mr. Pence and Mr. Wolf and lots of others of their aides and assistants, and pray that the fear of God and the wisdom of God could be theirs. Yeah. And I pray for salvation for each of these people. Thank you for leading us this far. We've come this far by faith, and we trust you to lead us on out, and into your heavenly kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.